Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. As you heard, my name is Adrienne Delgado. I am the owner of an outpatient nutrition practice outside of Philly called Body Metrics Health and Wellness Services. And we offer nutrition counseling to anybody from birth to 99, uh, anyone looking to make changes to their diet, to their eating styles, to their... Um, their sports nutrition, you know, we see the gamut between medical nutrition therapy, like high cholesterol, high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, to weight management, to sports nutrition, to eating disorders, Uh, pretty much anything that has a nutrition counterpart, we will counsel clients. And most people don't realize that their health insurance covers nutrition counseling. So if this is something that you ever have an interest in learning more about or seeing how our services can help you, um, check us out at bodymetricshealth.com. That is our website. And you'll be able to read more about uh, who we are, what we do, and are the providers. Uh, it's not just me at Bodymetrics. We actually have a really talented team of seven dietitians that I am super proud to work beside every day uh, because they just have this passion for helping others. And it's very clear to see that when you schedule an appointment. So just wanted to share a little bit about my background, where I'm coming from, what I do besides taping podcasts once a week for you guys. Uh, The podcasts are just such a great opportunity for us to give back to our community, uh, to our clients who may need additional help in between visits, and just keeping nutrition at the top of mind, uh, listening to sound nutrition information versus, you know, things you can find on TikTok or Instagram. Not that there's not some great information out there, but it can get confusing at times. And so knowing you have a trusted individual who has your best interest at heart is, is very important. And so I'm very honored and privileged to be able to give you that sound nutrition information each week. Today's episode, we are talking about the stages of change. So it's the beginning of the year. You may have made some resolutions about your health or your weight or your activity level. You may still be killing it or you may have fallen off the wagon and that's okay. Today, we're going to talk about this concept of of should, like I should want to do this versus I want to do this and all the stages in between. Because let's be honest, there is a distinct difference between those of us who are trying to be healthier and those of us who are actually doing the work. You know, there's some of us that don't even have nutrition changes on our radar. And then there's some of us who think we should be doing things, but really struggle 
to get to the execution phase. So we're actually going to talk about all the different phases today and have a really honest conversation about where you're at, depending on what change you're looking to make and recognizing why it's perfectly okay to be where you're at and when you're ready to move to the next stage, how to do that. So we're going to talk about all of that today. You know, for some of us, it's not about knowledge, right? We know all the things that we should be doing to be healthier. We know we need to move more. We need to eat more fruits and vegetables, you know, drink less alcohol, sleep more, stress less. You know, we know all of those things. Uh, For some of us, it feels more like a motivation challenge. How do I continue to be motivated to make change? So... Let's talk about this concept called stages of change. There's actually five stages, six, depending on which um, literature you read. But uh, we're going to go through all of them. And I think it's really important, again, that we have this really honest conversation with ourselves. Like, where am I at on these stages? And do I want to make a change? For so many of us, we think we just should, like weight loss or exercising more should be our resolutions because that's the popular thing to do come January. But if we sit and reflect, some of us don't want to make changes. Some of us, I I remember, I'm going to go back here uh, to a conversation I had with a client just a couple weeks ago. And she's like, "I, I have a good body image. Like, I know I should lose weight, but I don't even know if I want to lose weight. And I was just so thankful for her honesty in that moment because a lot of us just kind of go with the flow, with the the popular stance of wanting to be in a smaller body or wanting to, to move our bodies more without even really checking in to see if that's what we really want. Or if that we're just saying these things because everybody around us is saying these things and we should want the same thing. So really checking in with yourself is always going to be step number one, right? So let's go through the stages and let's talk about what each one looks like. So the first stage of change is called pre-contemplation, all right? So in this stage, we call it a stage of change, but actually there is no change on your radar. Like not one part of you is even thinking about making a change. There's no inclination to make any significant changes within the next six months. Like you are just doing your thing and just doing your thing, right? Like, you know, maybe you are not thinking about something because you don't want to make the change or maybe you're not it's not on your radar because you don't think change is possible so maybe you have been a smoker all your life right you smoked all your life and 
you know, people around you are quitting smoking, trying to make healthier choices. But for you, you've been smoking for so long that you don't even think change is possible. Like you just consider yourself a smoker. You'll always be a smoker. And so therefore that change is not a possibility for you. Okay. So again, pre-contemplation is actually no change at all. No desire for change. Just nothing. Like we are at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. Okay. And again, no desire to make changes in the next six months, either because you don't think change is possible or just your thought is I would never do that. Um, so another example would be when I tell my student athletes about how many servings of produce they need, right? And I tell them how many servings they need a day versus a week. And they just look at me like, yeah, that will never happen. I will never be a person that eats that many fruits and vegetables. And that's okay. That's where they're at. They're in that pre-contemplation stage where, you know, they just don't think it is possible for them and they don't want to eat more fruits and vegetables. Uh, not because they don't like them. Most of the time it's because they haven't even tried them. So there's a difference. The second phase is called contemplation. And this is a stage where you're starting to consider making a change, but there's no formal plan of action just yet. Okay, so you're just thinking, maybe I could eat more fruits and vegetables. Like, I guess I could go to the grocery store a few times a week, or maybe I could exercise. I mean, I guess I could potentially do it on, you know, early in the morning before I go to work. I'm not sure. So again, contemplation is just considering change. Pre-contemplation, there is no desire for change whatsoever. Contemplation is, well, maybe I could. I mean, I could, I could entertain the idea of what that would look like. So again, change is considered. This is a stage where you start to become aware of the benefits and also less satisfied with your own behaviors. So in the case of, let's say, exercising more, like you start to become aware of the benefits. Like I hear that you could sleep better and it's better for stress management and my mood. And you also start to notice that you're really crabby all day because you're exhausted. You start to notice that people around you have more energy in the afternoon than you do and you're kind of just... Yeah. trudging along through your day. And you're like, I don't know if I want this for my life. Like I want to have more energy like those other people do. And, and what's different about them? What are they doing that I'm not doing in order to feel the way I want to feel? Now it is important to note that ambivalence is the highest in this stage. Okay. And what I mean by that ambivalence is, you know, you can want two opposite things in this stage. Like I want to be a person who exercises, but I also like sitting on the couch and not moving. Like you can like both things and that's called being indecisive and that's okay. 
We just got to call it what it is. For some people, it's like, I want to lose weight, but I also want to eat desserts every night. Okay, that's an honest conversation. In a little bit, we're going to talk about how to move through ambivalence. But for right now, I just want you to know that this is the stage where it takes place. Okay? So again, pre-contemplation, nothing's on your radar. Contemplation, you're starting to consider what change could look like and how it could impact your life. But nothing formal has been done yet to take steps towards action. The third stage is preparation. So this is the stage that involves planning for change within usually the next 30 days. Okay, so this is where you start to put a little bit more thought into how this would take place. So for the example of the exercise, well, I guess I could wake up early on Mondays and Wednesdays, you know, or I could um, go to the grocery store midweek to pick up more produce. You actually start formulating a more detailed plan as to what this could look like versus more just conceptualizing thoughts. All right. Um, This is where you may even start to take small steps. So I actually went to the grocery store midweek or I actually started making a list for the grocery store midweek or I set my shoes out the night before the day I was supposed to exercise. Like you're actually taking small steps to move towards taking action. You're not actually doing the action yet. You're just taking steps to make it possible. You may be identifying the barriers that could get in your way. Like, all right, so if I'm going to wake up early on Mondays and Wednesdays to work out, I probably am going to be really tired. So how can I make this easier on myself? Like I'm going to put my shoes right by my bed. I'm going to put my workout clothes on the night before. So that way I'm all ready to go. Um, I'm going to put my playlist on my phone the night before. So that way my music's all ready to go. Like this is where you start. Like I said, you're making some changes at this point, not doing the action, but you're anticipating what are the barriers that are going to get in your way. And you start to take steps to, to, to rectify it. All right. So that is the third stage is preparation. The fourth step is action. So this is what we're working towards. The actual behavior change, the exercising on Monday and Wednesday, the going to the grocery store midweek to buy produce and then cutting it up and eating it. All right. It's important to note that eating it is the action step. The preparation step would be going to the store, getting um, a list together, chopping it up. Those are all preparation foods. But the actual action that you're looking to achieve is the eating of more produce. The whole point of the action phase is to work towards consistency. Okay. Um, In this stage, you could start to feel a small payoff from the behavior change, which makes things easier to keep up. 
Sometimes though, you will have what we call a lapse or a relapse where you revert back to old habits. And that is very common during the action stage. It does not mean that you failed. It does not mean that you're never going to be successful at this new habit. It just means you lapsed. That's all it means. And again, it's normal for lapses to happen. So that all or nothing perfectionist mindset piece is not helpful in the action stage. All right. Again, relapse is part of the process. So rather than being upset that it happened, recognize that it's part of the process and you know, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to happen. It's going to take place and you're going to be okay. Now in the action stage, you may find that it's helpful to start small. A lot of us, you know, have our ideal in our heads of what we want this to look like. Like I want to work out seven days a week, even though we've never worked out a day in our life, but we go from zero to 60 because we think that's what it takes to, to make the change happen. That's not true. Sometimes we're a lot more successful when we start out with smaller habits and we build. Or we start out with smaller habits as a trial basis. Like, all right, I'm going to exercise twice a week and just see if I notice any differences. See if I notice any differences to my um, health to my blood work, to my weight, to my um, mood. Like, let me just see, right? We have this expectation that it has to be 100% perfect. And usually that's where things all fall apart because going from one extreme to the other is just too overwhelming. And so we just shut down and do none of it. All right, so it's important to know that in the action stage, sometimes going in with the approach of, I just want to see what happens. I want to try this. I do this with my clients all the time. Let's just run an experiment. Let's just see what happens if we make this change. We're not committing to it just yet. We're just seeing if the change produces the results that we're looking for. And usually people are a lot more accepting and willing to try when they know it's a trial basis than when it's something that they have to do forever and ever for the rest of their life and they can never, ever mess up, right? Again, that feels overwhelming and that makes me not want to even try because I'm setting myself up for failure, creating a perfectionist mindset around this habit, all right? And then finally, the fifth stage is maintenance. All right. So this is where the habit has officially developed. It's lasted for more than six months and you feel motivated to continue doing the habit because you see the benefits. Okay. So an example of this, you know, for me is flossing. It took me a long time to get to that point, um, but now I have been flossing for years and I enjoy it. It's not a hardship. You know, it's still a decision every night when I'm tired, but the payoff is so much more. I see the benefits and so I continue to do it. It's a habit change that, that I've 
I've created and I've maintained. All right. So it's important to note that you can go through these stages really quickly or they could take years. Right. Some of these habits could take years in the making and some can can go very quickly depending on your motivation. Okay. So, you know, let's say that your doctor tells you, gives you a, a, a grim diagnosis. You may move through the stages of change very quickly if you think that these changes can have a positive impact on your life. Right. So an example would be, you know, if somebody gets a cancer diagnosis. Right. You know, they may not have even been thinking about eating healthy, but once they got that diagnosis, diagnosis, now all of a sudden they're thinking about buying more fruits and vegetables and juicing and eating, you know, less processed food and eating more whole foods. And they go to the grocery store and they're buying the things, they're eating the things, you know, their motivation has led them to go through the stages very, very quickly. And again, sometimes working through the stages takes a long time, days, months, years even. And it just depends on where you're at and what your motivation for change is. All right. The reason why diets fail is because they try to push you through the stages too quickly. They tell you how you're supposed to feel and what to eat and what to do and, and how to do it. And there's no input from you and where you're at in the whole situation. You're just being told what to do every step of the way. And in some cases, being told what to do is helpful, but not when it comes to long-term changes. You have to be invested in order for it to stick. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what are some ways you can move through ambivalence. All right. So you're thinking about making a change. You're not quite at the action step. You're not even quite at the preparation step. And you're trying to figure out, do I want to make this change? And how do I go from thinking I should make this change to actually wanting to make the change? So first thing that you can do, there's three things. First thing you can do is sometimes it's really helpful to make a pro and con list, right? What are the pros of making the change? What are the cons of making the change? And then what are the pros of staying the same? And what are the cons of, sta of staying the same, right? Actually writing it out. Because again, in our head, we have a lot of shoulds swirling around and they get confused with what is actual fact. So putting something down on paper, looking at it from a more objective way, putting pros and cons out of both, allows you to see, are there more benefits to making the change than there are to staying the same, right? I think that's a very reasonable first step. The second step is looking out a little further into the future. So what would your life be like five years from now if you made the change? And what would your life be like five years from now if you didn't make the change? What would your mood be like five years from now? What would your mood be like if you don't make the change? 
actually putting yourself in a situation where you can look at the trajectory of your life and see, would I have benefits and does that change my mind to take me into the next phase? Or do I not see the benefits at this time? And maybe there's another habit change that you could try instead. Again, this involves a very honest conversation with yourself because that's the only way this is going to work. The third step that you can do is find out where you're at on this uh, behavior change scale. So it's a scale from one to five. One is I should make this change. And five is I want to make this change. All right. So after you've made your pro and con list, after you have figured out, you know, what your future is going to look like if you make the change or not make the change, then I want you to have an honest conversation with yourself and ask yourself on a scale of one to five with one being I should make this change and five is I want to make this change. Where do you fall? Right? Where do you fall? And for some people, they're going to say, I want both equally. I want to keep the change and I don't want to change. And so your answer would be a three. And that's called indecision. And that's really, really common. All right. The one thing to note is the closer you are to the should side of the spectrum, the ones and twos, the higher the chance of lapsing and relapsing. We want to want to make the change, all right? We don't want to feel like we have to make a change or we should make a change. There's no connection there. And again, if there's lots of lapsing and relapsing, then usually we quit the habit altogether, all right? So let's just walk through an example of what these what this could look like, all right? So the very first thing I said is we wanna make a list of pros and cons. So let's use the example of eating at night because I know a lot of people struggle with that. So what are the pros of eating at night? Well, you get to have a snack, usually in front of the TV, that feels very relaxing. Um, You get to eat foods that You know, maybe you wouldn't allow yourself to eat earlier in the day, like cookies or chips, because, you know, the kids are home or awake, or um, they're just not foods you allow yourself to have. So, you know, a pro is being able to get to eat those foods at night. Um, For some people, you may think that or feel like eating at night helps you sleep better because you have a full stomach, so um, you sleep more soundly. Um, pros are, I don't have to make any changes. I get to stay exactly where I'm at eating things at night, which, you know, I enjoy doing and I don't have to go through the discomfort of making a change. So that would be your pros for eating at night. Your cons for eating at night is it may be contributing to weight gain. It may be contributing to diabetes It may be impacting your sleep at night where you actually don't sleep better because you have reflux. 
Um, it may be causing a lot of stress at the beginning of your day because now you don't feel good and you have to work even harder to try to uh, lose weight because eating at night tends to put the weight gain or it, it tends to make you gain weight more. Um, you may not be motivated to work out in the morning because your stomach still kind of feels full from the night before, or you just don't feel good when you eat those foods at night. It just makes your stomach hurt. Um, you may not be hungry for breakfast in the morning because you ate so late and now you're skipping breakfast. And so you're noticing that your energy levels and your mood aren't where you want them to be first thing in the morning. So those would be a list of cons for eating at night. And then again, we can make a list the other way. What are the pros of not eating at night? What are the cons of not eating at night? And a lot of times they're just going to be switched. Whatever your pros were for the one will just be your cons for the other and vice versa. So you may not have very completely different lists when you do this, but I just want you to at least give yourself an opportunity to tell yourself the truth in the moment. Uh, sometimes we think one thing, but when we put it down on paper, we realize that that's not true. So an example of that would be when I said, oh, I think I sleep better when I eat at night, when I realize that actually I don't sleep better at night. I have more reflux. I don't feel good. I'm not motivated the next morning because I still feel full. Some things that you may be telling yourself are reasons for why you should continue to keep the habit. When you put them on paper, you realize, oh, wait, that's not even true. That was just a story I told myself along the way to make myself feel better continuing the habit. So again, it's an opportunity for you to be really honest. So now the next part, part B, is you know looking at your life one year, three year, five years out if you make the change. All right, so if I, you know, discontinue my eating at night patterns, what will my life look like five years from now? Well, I'll probably um, be able to keep my, my good blood work, uh, my numbers in check, or I might be able to improve my numbers if they're not so great right now. Um, I'm going to have more energy in my day. I'm going to, um, be able to think more clearly and function versus feeling foggy and just ugh, from overeating at night, right? So think about what you want your future to look like. You know, if I don't make changes, what's, where will I be at? Well, I might be diabetic. I might be 20 pounds overweight at that point. I might have stomach issues and have to start new medications. Um, I might not feel good about myself. It might produce more anxiety. So then I have to, you know, maybe start other medications for that. You know, thinking about who I want to be versus who I will be, depending on if you make the change, can sometimes be really, really helpful to figure out what trajectory you want to take next. And then finally, you ask yourself on a scale of one to five, 
you know, when it comes to eating at night, is this still something you feel like you should change? Or based on the information from your lists above, is this a change you want to make? Like, yeah, I see the benefits of making the change. They outweigh the benefits of staying the same. I want to change this habit and then starting to look at, you know, more preparation methods. All right, now that I've identified that I want to do something, let's start actually making the change. Or again, if you still feel like you're more on the should side, like I don't want to do it. I feel like everybody says I should do this. My doctor says I should do this, but I'm not there yet. Then asking yourself a really great question, what am I willing to do? And then going through, going through the process again. All right. So that is your lesson on stages of change. I hope this has been really helpful to you um, as you're going through making health changes, whether it be uh, for 2023 and beyond, whether you're just looking to make small changes or big changes. The most important thing you can always do is be honest with yourself um, and figuring out when there shoulds versus wants and how that plays an impact in you actually um, achieving the goal. So, all right, let's get you to your recipe. So this is something I actually made last night. It is a sheet pan cilantro lime chicken. And this comes from the cookbook Everyday Dinners by Jessica Merchant. This was super easy. The only thing that was a little... Uh, time consuming was zesting the limes. So I don't really have a trick for how to zest them quicker. It was just more, I think because I had to double the recipe to make sure I had enough for our whole family. If I was just making this for a serving for four servings, I think it would have went a lot faster, but loved the cleanup because it was so super simple, everything on a sheet pan. And, um, all right, let's do it. So I'm going to give you the recipe for four servings. And again, if you need to double it, go for it. You're going to need two-thirds cup of fresh cilantro, chopped, a half a cup of olive oil, two tablespoons of grated lime zest, a quarter cup of lime juice, two garlic cloves minced, a half a teaspoon of crushed red pepper flakes, a teaspoon of salt, a teaspoon of pepper, a pound of chicken breasts. You can use a mixture of breasts and thighs. I use chicken tenders so they would cook even faster. Half a teaspoon of garlic powder, two bell peppers sliced, one onion sliced, half a cup of corn. You can use fresh, canned, or frozen. Three tablespoons of cotija cheese. And you can also do two tablespoons of sliced jalapeno peppers for serving. I did not do that because I do not like spicy things, so I omitted, but it definitely makes the presentation look a lot nicer if you add them. You're going to preheat your oven to 425 degrees, and then in a bowl, you're going to whisk together the cilantro, olive oil, lime zest, juice, garlic, red pepper flakes, and then a half a teaspoon each of salt and pepper. So we're basically making a little bit of a marinade to pour on top. Season the chicken with salt and pepper and garlic powder, and then place the chicken on a sheet pan and surround it with the sliced bell peppers and onions. Drizzle half of the cilantro lime mixture and toss everything well. You're going to want everything covered. And then lastly, sprinkle the corn all over the sheet pan. 
roast for 20 to 25 minutes until the chicken is cooked through. And then you're going to let the chicken cool for about five minutes before slicing or shredding. Top with additional cilantro lime sauce, the fresh cilantro, if you have extra, the cotija cheese, and the jalapenos. So I could not find that cheese at the grocery store when I went. Um, I don't know if they were just out or they didn't carry it. So I used the, oh goodness, now I'm going to forget what it's called. Um, oh goodness, it was a Mexican cheese. And I can see the label downstairs <laughs> in my fridge. And now I can't remember what it's called. So I'm going to have to write that in later in the show notes or something, what cheese I used. But it was um, queso fresca. Is that what it is? Or am I coming up with, am I just making words up? I'll look it up and I'll let you know. But uh, it worked beautifully. It crumbled really nice. And I just kind of sprinkled it all over the sheet pan before serving. Uh, I served this dish with rice and beans, black beans, and everybody ate it all up. Like all seven of them gobbled the whole thing up and asked me to make it again. So this was a winner. Nice, quick, and easy, healthy, delicious, and I hope your family enjoys it too. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this week. Have a fantastic week ahead. I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.